Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Matthew chapter 16. Now we started looking at this a couple of weeks ago. Keys to the kingdom. We know the story, verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, Some say you're John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. They were all wrong. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed. Everybody say, everybody say blessed. blessed. Say it again, blessed. blessed. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now notice this. This is kind of where we've been jumping off here in verse 19. And I, excuse me, verse 18. I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon the rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now listen, listen to these two scriptures again and kind of listen to them with your heart. It says, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, speaking to Peter, just a little piece of the rock. It says, but I say unto you, I will build uh, upon this rock, or, or who I am, this great revelation of who I am, I will build my church. Now notice this, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, if you meditate on this, especially those two verses, you can't help but come away with the conclusion of these are two opposing forces. There's a force that wants to do something good, and there's another force that wants to oppose it. Can you see that in the Scripture? It's talking about the, you know, the gates of hell, the counsels of hell, the strategies of hell, which are literally the, the, uh, uh, the traps of the devil, the, uh, the plans he comes up with. But you listen, no matter what the devil does to conspire against your life, God has already planned your recovery and your victory. Amen. Isn't that good news? Yeah. But now notice the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Whatsoever you shall bind on earth is already bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now the thought that kept coming uh, up in my mind, in my spirit as I was preparing for tonight was this. How often during the day, every day that you live, how often do you exercise your God-given spiritual authority? Now before you answer that question, let me ask you this. How often during the day are you attacked by the devil? Yeah, come on. Not really. Think of, you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, most attacks that come from the devil come to your mind. That's right. Thoughts come to your mind. Uh, you know, the enemy tries to paint a negative picture, try to make you think you're sick, you're broke, you know, make you think all this kind of crazy stuff. But listen, if you're not resisting, at least to the level that you're being attacked, then you're going to get overwhelmed. Now let me say that again. If you're not resisting, I think a lot of times we just think, well, well, God will do something about all this. No, he won't. He expects you to. Amen. He expects you to do something. One of the most profound things that I've ever heard anybody say along these lines, there's a book by a man named 
Timothy Hagen called I Believe in Visions. And I studied under Brother Hagen for many years, and I'm very much confident in his ministry as a prophet and as someone who has, has had visions and been uh, uh, imparted to by the wisdom of God. And in an open vision that he was having, a demonic force appeared between him and Jesus as Jesus was trying to impart information to him about authority and about the spirit realm. And he said this, this demon just jumped in front of him. He said it began to spread like an, uh, it said it looked like almost ink and water, this inky black smoke. And it kind of got in between him and Jesus. He couldn't see Jesus' face, couldn't hear what he was saying. And then he began with a real uh, shrill voice, just began to go yakety yak yak, yakety yak, where he couldn't hear nothing. And he said he waited and waited and nothing ever happened. And the smoke got thicker and the voice got more shrill. And finally he said, in the name of Jesus, you foul devil, get out of here. He said that thing fell to the ground and took off out the door like a, like a pup you'd spanked with a newspaper. So immediately as the scene cleared and he saw he was still in a vision and speaking to Jesus, he said to Jesus, why didn't you do something about that? And he said, what Jesus said to him, he, he, he said, it, it literally took me some time to digest it because Jesus said to him, if you would not have done anything about that, I could not have done it. He said, when he first said that, he said, now, wait a second, I, I've heard you wrong. He said, I've heard you wrong. You said, if I would not have done it, you could not. He said, you know, that, that, that can't be right. He said three different times emphatically, Jesus said, if you did not do something about that, I could not. Which means we're the ones commissioned by God to exercise the authority of God on the earth. Now there's a whole lot wrong in this world and there's a whole lot wrong in this nation because the church did not exercise its authority. Let me say that again. There's a whole lot of people talking about, well, we don't have prayer in school anymore. We don't, uh, they have abortion. They have all this kind of, well, most of that came about by the church falling off into religion, falling off into tradition, getting cold, and over, even though there were moves of God that were going on, the church, for the most part, just did not exercise authority, and it did not exercise any kind of organized authority. What would have been like back in the 70s if we'd have had, you know, 3,000 churches binding that spirit that wanted to pass a law to make it legal for you to kill a child? Amen. What if when they took prayer out of, out of the schools, what if there would have been 5,000 churches praying against that, standing and saying, in the name of Jesus, we bind that because it's not, uh, they're, they're praying in heaven, so I guarantee you it's all right for us to pray on the earth. So we bind that spirit trying to take prayer out of our schools. Now we've come to the point where the devil's almost taking prayer out of the church. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And if we think, now listen to me, church, you need to get this tonight. If we think we're going to be able to navigate the days and the weeks and the months and the years, if we have any years ahead of us, without really stepping up and exercising the authority we have in Christ, we're sadly mistaken. Because I'm telling you, the enemy's bringing, a, he's bringing an onslaught on right now. He senses his kingdom beginning to stir. He senses power he's beginning to grab. He senses this world system beginning to come into his hands. He senses all of that. He knows it's happening. He's flexing his muscle right now. And if you notice, every negative thing that can become news, every negative thing that can, that, that, that can become some type of distraction in the earth, he takes it and he just takes it to an incredibly sensational level 
See, the enemy's got to be sensational because he's not supernatural. Sensational is a surface thing with no depth or power in it. But God has caused you to become born again and has deposited in you the same power and spirit that raised him from the dead. Therefore, we cannot sit by passively and just think, well, everything's going to work out and God's just going to do what he wants to do. That's never been true. That has never happened. God has always had to have men and women on the earth willing to exercise his authority over the devil. Amen. And you got a good place to start right there in your personal life. Right there in your personal life. Because if I can get a group of people coming together that's exercising the authority over the devil in their personal life, if I can get them to come together in a corporate structure and we begin to exercise the authority over the devil right here in the area in which we live, we'll see God move in a powerful way. We can't just sit around and wait and see what God's going to do. we got to do something ourselves. And that begins with us exercising that authority. People say, well, Pastor, I thought you didn't believe in doing spiritual warfare. I don't. The devil's already defeated. But we have to exercise the law of the spirit of life in Christ over the law of sin and death. If it is not enforced, if it is not, if it is not enforced against that law, then that law will dominate. He said, now why will it dominate? Because people are willing to cooperate with it. People, that, that gives license to the spirit realm. You get people willing to cooperate with the devil. There are some people, church, that are knowingly cooperating with the devil. They know what they're doing. They, they're, they're praying against churches. They're fasting. They're doing sacrifices. All this stupid satanic stuff. All this stupid occultic stuff. You say, why do you call it stupid? Because you've got to be stupid to, to serve somebody who's already defeated. Amen. Amen. And that's literally, but, but the occult has just, has just exploded around the earth. And a lot of what we're seeing that's going on is very, very demonic in its origin. Amen? I tell you what, this, this, from what I've studied with this corona thing, that's not some naturally occurring thing that just happened somewhere and someone got sick with a cold. No, men did that. Men did that and men put that on men. Did you get that? And if that's, if that's what they got and that's what they're doing, just think what else they may have. And all that's going on in the earth today, you know what it's designed to do? It's, to, it's designed to isolate you, and it's designed to make you feel vulnerable, and it's designed to put fear upon you like never before, because Jesus said the days in which we live, men's hearts will fail them for fear of that which is coming upon the earth. People know what's coming. They see it happening. People aren't stupid. They see it happening right in front of them. And listen, as a church and as a people that serve God, we've got to understand who we are and we've got to begin to exercise authority against these things. I don't know if you've noticed or not, we began actually right when this, if you remember when this corona thing started, and, you know, they told us we'd be shut down for two weeks. Well, that's turned into 14 months. Of course, thank God we live in Texas and uh, don't have to suffer under that. But we, we began immediately, immediately to exercise authority over that. We began immediately to speak against it. We didn't, we didn't try to, you know, prophesy its demise in any way. We just began to say, no, in the name of Jesus, we resist this. We resist it on every level. We resist in the name of Jesus the COVID virus, its effects, its infection. I mean, and we continue. Continually do that to this day. 
And I'm telling you what's keeping it alive today is the news media, the medical field, and the pharmaceutical field is doing everything they can do to keep something alive that's dying because we've been speaking against it. Amen? So they got to make it up as they go. Well, in the midst of all that, they've tried everything else from trying to divide the races to, to, to social issues to political issues. It's just caused an explosion of the demonic around the world. And if you know, notice what's going on in the Middle East right now, my goodness, we are literally right at the point where that Ezekiel 38 war can break out at any day. Let's just say it like this. The soldiers already have their bullets and they're already in their units ready to go. What did they have last night? 700 rockets shot into Israel last night? Well, what do you think all that's about? This whole earth. You, you go, go look at the earthquakes that are going on. Go look at the volcanic eruptions that are taking place. Go look at, I mean, you get up this morning, it's May the 12th uh, in Galveston, Texas, and it feels like it's October. Amen. I know we have cool springs and stuff like that from time to time, but the Bible says that even in the last days, you won't even be able to tell the, the, uh, what's going on. You, uh, uh, you won't be, how does it say it? You won't be able to tell the change of the season by the leaves on the tree will be the only way you can tell the seasons are changing. Well, that's the day we're living in. I said, that's the day we're living in. Now, notice again, and we'll go to another scripture real quick. Notice again there in, in Matthew it says, I say unto thee, thou art Peter, upon this rock I'll build my church, the gates of hell shall, shall not uh, prevail against. Now notice this. And I will give unto you the keys, everybody say keys, keys, of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth. So who's going to do it? That, that's us. I said, that's us. So there are things you're going to have to bind. You say, well, how do I know what to bind? Just think in your mind, is this going on in heaven? Some thought come against your mind. So that thought didn't come from heaven. I bind that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Something happened to some symptom coming to your body. Well, are people into heaven having that symptom? No. So you got to, in the name of Jesus, I bind this in the name of Jesus. I don't have to wait till Sunday to get healed. I'll get healed right now on Thursday afternoon. Amen. Devil come against your finances? Well, well, we'll just see what the Lord will do. No, you can. Devil, I bind that spirit of poverty trying to get on my life. You're not going to do it in Jesus' name. You've got to take the fight to the devil. If you don't, he will make sure he brings the fight to you. Yeah. Amen. Then it says, and whatsoever we what? Loose. Think what's in heaven. If you're going through, I mean, a lot of people right now, you know what they're suffering with right now? Stress. They're talking about people uh, being prescribed psychiatric drugs off of the charts right now. People are, you know, the, the drug industry has exploded. The alcohol industry has exploded. Crime in many areas is up three and four hundred percent. People are going crazy. Well, they're not doing that in heaven. Say, Lord, I just loose the peace of heaven on my home. I just, I don't ever have any peace in my house. Well, why don't you loose it? And bind whatever it is that's stealing that peace in Jesus. Listen, if you don't take care of it in the spirit realm, it's not going to get taken care of. And a lot of what goes on on the earth is allowed to go on because the church does not take authority over it. Amen? Amen? Now, if you will, how can I do this? Lord, go to, first of all, go to 1 John. Then we'll go to Colossians. Oh, good, I still got a few minutes. Go to 1 John. Go to 1 John chapter 3. Not the gospel of John, 1 John.
1 John chapter 3. Let's look at verse 8. <laughs> he that committed sin is of the devil. I'll let that one kind of wiggle in your belly there a little bit. Amen. Well, I didn't mean to do it. Well, if you cooperate with sin, and when it says committed sin, that literally is talking about a lifestyle of sin. If you've got a lifestyle of sin going on, you put, Pastor, I'm born again. Well, in your flesh, that's of the devil. And your mind's got to agree with it or your flesh wouldn't be doing it. That's of the devil. So you're cooperating with the devil while you got the life of God in your spirit. No wonder you're in such turmoil. No wonder you're in such confusion. So many Christians are so confused. Now let me say this. So many Christians are so offended. Are so offended. Jesus said, Matthew 24, I just read it before we came out. Matthew chapter 4, 24, he, taught, he was talking about before his, the second coming in the last days, which we're living in right now. He said, many, many will be offended. Many will be offended. We had a wonderful testimony this week. A young lady that used to attend the church here had written a book about her life. And uh, she's moved off to, a, to, to another place. But she wrote a, a beautiful book and put some things in there about Island Church. But something unique she said about Island Church, she said, uh, this is where she came and got right with God, found the Lord, and God just healed her of a whole bunch of stuff and really just restored her life. But this is what she said. She said, after I went there for a couple of months, I figured out why a lot of people come and leave. And he said, the reason is, is because the first couple of months I was there, I'd tell myself every time I left, I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back because he's up there talking about everything I'm doing right now. <laughs> Listen, if you're in a place where somebody's talking about everything you're doing, but they're not living in your bedroom, you ought to chalk that up to God Amen. trying to help you. Try, and so many people get, if you step on any little corner of their life that, that's hurting or painful. Listen, we try to get people healed. We, got, we try to get people delivered and set free. But sometimes you've got to eat the bitter herbs. God told Moses, eat the whole lamb, not just the shank, everything, the whole. I bet there are some parts of that lamb wasn't too good to eat. Amen? But you got to understand, there's some things about the Word of God that I guarantee you they're going to twist your head around. They're going to mess with your, your ideas of the way you think should be. They're going to mess with your political ideas. It's going to mess with a lot of things. And listen, I've gotten a lot of letters over the years about people who have really just cheered me up because I wasn't sensitive to this, to this situation or to this lifestyle that was nothing but sin. Right. And we don't even use the word sin in church anymore or the word hell. But people that sin go to hell. Amen. And we have to stop that. That's right. Amen. So, the Bible says, He that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now listen, I love it in the Amplified. Let me find it here. But he who commits sin, who practices evil doing, is of the devil, takes his character from the evil one. For the devil has sinned and violated divine law from the very beginning. This reason, the reason the Son of God was made manifest or visible, was to undo, destroy 
Loosen and dissolve the works the devil has done. Now the work the devil has done that he is referring to is what went on in the garden when man fell and there was an immediate download of iniquity into the human family. Iniquity is that motivation. Every one of you are very familiar with the temptation to sin. Because if you're a believer now, that's what it is. It's a temptation. Amen? You say, well, what do you mean by that? Anything that you do that you are not standing in faith to be free from and resisting it with the authority that, the God, that God has given you in Christ Jesus, you are yielding to or submitting is not of you, it is not of your nature, nor is it of your Father. Got quiet in here after that one, amen? You say, well, uh, well I can't help it. Yes, you can. You're, now you're lying. You're adding lying to it now. You can help it. It's just that you're not putting out the effort. Let me tell you something, church. I can tell you about all kinds of efforts to sin. You have no idea the effort I used to put into sinning. I mean, I can tell you stories that curl your hair of things that we used to do just to maintain the party. And hey, the, the party knew no boundaries, no days, no, no holidays. No, it went on 24-7. You know, you, you, you end it when you go to bed and you start it again when you wake up the next morning. Some of you are looking at me so holy. But it took great effort. It took great effort. It took great effort. And keeping it going every day. Drugs and all the different things that goes with that life and lifestyle. You got to keep it going. You got to keep it moving. You got to keep scamming. You got to keep doing this. You got to keep doing that. You got to keep it. I mean, we'd take trips to go find drugs when they drive here. We'd go look for them. We always found them. Let, let me put it this way. They always found us. Because that's the way the devil is. Amen. But then you get saved, you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you get delivered from all of that, and you don't put any effort into your righteousness. Now that you've got a righteous spirit, no, when you had iniquity, you were willing to do, spend it all, do it all, dare it all, nothing you were afraid of, and now you're afraid you might miss your favorite sitcom on Wednesday nights. We're talking to the crowd watching us on TV, amen. And then we wonder... Why do I feel so bad? And, and why am I so confused? I had somebody tell me that one time. Said, you know, your preaching really confused me. I said, no, it didn't. You were confused when you walked in here. <laughs> I said, my preaching just turned the light on your confusion. That's what happens. You get confused. You get, you get agitated. You're easy. You're e and it's the most miserable life you can live. Lukewarm. Wanting God to do something big in your life but unwilling to initiate it. Well, you can't live like that. Buddy, you got to, listen, you got to put your foot on the accelerator. You got to get, you can't do, listen, it, say, if you were going to try and get, get in shape, say if your body got out of shape on you, you say, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to get in shape. So you go and you spend the, all day tomorrow, eight hours in the gym. Do you think you're going to make the gym on, on Friday? You probably make the emergency room. Amen? No, you just need to start. You just need to start. And some of you in here today, if you will just start tomorrow, the first time the devil brings that thought to your mind, nope, I'm not thinking that way, devil. 
I'm not thinking that way. Here's why, devil. The reason Jesus was manifest was to destroy your works. So your works have no life in me. I resist that thought. I resist that temptation in Jesus' name. Now, if you don't do that, what are you going to do? Well, he's just going to wear you down. He's going to wear you down, wear you down, wear you down, wear you down. And then once you do something, then he gets on your other shoulder and says, now you've done it. God hates you. The church hates you. The pastor knows what you did. The Holy Ghost is going to tell him. He's going to call you out in the service and call you up and then try to cast the devil out. You're going to have a big incident and they're going to haul you off in a straitjacket. <laughs> Isn't that right? Doesn't the devil talk to you like that? Amen? Well, you got to be willing to resist the devil. you got to be willing to stand on the victory. I've heard people say, Pastor, I've really never really had any victory. Yes, you have. You've just not seen it in the Word. When Jesus rose from the dead, you became victorious. When Jesus rose from the dead, whatever problem you had was destroyed. Loosened dissolved. That means it's not there. The only thing that gives it life is you. And if, you get, if you're giving something that is not of God life, then you're giving life to death. You're letting death live in you. And God doesn't want you living like that. That's a miserable way to live, especially in this day and hour when all kinds of stress and all kinds of fears just doing everything they can do take everybody over. Amen? Now, go to Colossians. Colossians chapter, eh, let's see. Colossians chapter 3, let's do chapter 3 first. No, let's do chapter 2, then we'll do chapter 1. We'll do chapter 3 this time. Chapter 2, verse 13, book of Colossians, the church at Colossae. Verse 13, chapter 2, and you, now notice this, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having, I love this, forgiven all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. He took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Now let me read, let me read it in the, I love it in the Amplified. It says, in you who were dead in trespass, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, your sensual mind, your carnal nature, God brought, God brought to life together with Christ, having freely forgiven all our transgressions. Now, all your transgressions, everything you could ever do is forgiven. So why live in the bondage of it? Now, now listen. Having canceled and blocked out and wiped away the handwriting of the note or bond with its legal decrees and demands which was in force and stood against us, hostile to us, this note with its regulations, decrees, and demands he set aside and cleared completely out of your way by nailing it to his cross. So you got to see in the spirit, there's the note, there's the book, all your trash and garbage. So where does God, notice he didn't leave it in the tomb. 
You say, why? Why didn't he leave it in the tomb? Because there's not death in the tomb. There's life in the tomb. So he needed a place where he could put it where death would affect it. I said he needed a place to put it where death will affect it. So he nailed it to his what? His cross, which is not symbolic of death. It is death. He died mentally, physically, and spiritually upon that cross. And everything that he took upon himself on that cross died with him. So why in the world spend your life trying to resurrect something that God has allowed to die upon the cross of his son? Amen? Amen? See, the problem with this a lot of times, we don't reckon it as being dead. I remember going through that years ago and thinking, you know, all these desires and all these temptations and all this. And I'm telling you, if you're, if you're subject to that, the devil will accommodate you. He will make sure people show up that want to, you know, party. He'll make, sure, he'll make sure all this, all this kind of stuff. It'll be right there in your life. Trying to find a place of existence, but all it's doing, what it's doing, it's knocking on your door and it's saying this I'm here to give life to that which Jesus died for. That will, that's what was killing you in the first place. That's what was killing you was that sin, that iniquity, that separation from God. But when you begin to see everything of your past life, all the things you've ever done or ever will do, and the documentation of it. That means God hadn't got any documentation of it. All right. Go to 2 Corinthians real quick. We'll clear that up real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We all like verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Amen? But now read down there a little more. 2 Corinthians 5. I like, seven. I like 17 so much. I'm going to read it again. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a what? A new, you got to start living like the new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given unto us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word, the word, the word of reconciliation. Now listen to it in the Amplified. I love it in the Amplified, verse 18. Actually, verse 19. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation, of restoration to favor. Now here's the key. God has already taken all of the documentation of your failure and he has watered it up and destroyed it by nailing it to the cross of Jesus. Now listen to me. The reason you do not walk in the authority that God has called you to walk in is the enemy is continually reminding you of something that's already been destroyed. 
So you have a sin consciousness that's stronger than your righteousness consciousness. And that's exactly what religion will do to you. You're just a poor old sinner. Saved by grace. Well, that's a lie. You were a poor old sinner. You've been saved by grace. Now, according to verse 21, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And as long as you continue to think about and brood on and grieve over and have guilt of all of your past sins, all of your shortcomings, all of your failures, then the enemy will keep you in a place of apathy and complacency and you will not be willing to pull the trigger on him. But let, me give you, let me give you a little bit of advice. You have to learn to pull the trigger when he's doing it to you. You say, well, you'll never get to the point, Pastor, I'll tell you, I'm going to study and pray, and I'm going to get to that point where I can do it. It'll never happen. You'll never get to the point where you can do it if you try to get to the point. You've got to start right where you are. With the devil tormenting your mind, with you trying to cooperate with the devil in your flesh, you've got to say, you've got to just stop. You've got to square your shoulders. You've got to say, no, in the name of Jesus, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the earth. I'm not going to allow the enemy to torment my mind with this temptation. I'm not going to do it. Devil, get it. You say, well, how long do I have to do that? As long as it takes. And then you keep doing it and you keep doing it because that is literally the answer to your victory is the repetition that you throw back on the devil because he's going to be repetition with, repetitious with you when it comes to temptation, which means he's going to do it over and over and over and over as long as he sees there's anything in you that might give it a wink or a nod. I'm thinking about it. Amen? Because see, he's watching. He knows how you think. He can't read your mind, but he knows how. So he'll put that thought in there. He'll put that idea in there. He'll show you a little plan. He'll try to get it all fixed up for you. And the whole time you're like, mm, church is tomorrow. <laughs> you'll never make it. <laughs> Amen? And I keep trying to emphasize, do you know this is not... You know, if you lived your life out and went on to heaven in the, in the 90s or, you know, uh, last year or, or, or 20 years ago, you wouldn't have to worry about this part of it because you'd be in heaven. But this part of it is real. Miss the rapture. And you have two choices. Miss the rapture, you have two choices. You say, what do you mean? Well, you have the choice to take the mark the Bible says if you take the mark, then your soul goes into apostasy. You lose your salvation and end up in hell with the rest of them. Or you say, no, I'm not taking the mark, and they behead you. Go read it in Revelations. You go read it, uh, chapter 12 through 14 or 15. It's all in there. And it's all, all being set up right now. So the good news is you don't have to get to the place where you have to make that choice. You can live for God now and engage now. He said, well, I wish I'd have been alive at some other time and I wish I was in heaven now, but you ain't, honey. <laughs> so you might, as well, you might as well go ahead and get with the program yeah. and go up with the rest of us. Yeah. How do we get off on that? Oh yeah, I was showing you here. Not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them. You know, the whole world is sin conscious. And they have a fear of God based on their sin consciousness. God's out to get me. Every negative thing that happens in their life, well, that's God trying to get me. Well, God tried to kill me last week on the job, but I escaped. If God tried to kill you, you'd be dead yesterday. <laughs> Amen? 
No, that ain't God trying to kill you. That's the devil trying to kill you. Every negative thing that's ever happened in your life is the devil trying to kill you. Thank God we live in a time or a dispensation of grace and mercy where the grace and mercy of God is upon the earth. But this, this, this sin consciousness which has remained in the church is a sign of people being religiously brainwashed and not too New Testament taught. Because no matter who you are, the day you got born again, God sees you as a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. He does not know your past. All he knows is the cross. He does not know your failures. All he sees is the blood. He is eternally forgiving. And he will work with you as long as you are willing to engage spiritual things against spiritual things. I mean, if you could fight the devil with a baseball bat, I'd have a fleet of them. But you can't do it. You're going to have to use your spiritual system, your spiritual belief system, which is what you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, to engage Satan, to engage the demons that try to torment your mind, to engage the sickness or disease that tries to dominate your body, to engage the financial problem that's trying to take over your life financial. You've got to engage against it. You can't let it continue to dominate you. You've got the legal right to do it. You've got the legal right to do it. You've got the legal right. I mean, uh, we so appreciate all of the wonderful uh, police officers that come and, and watch, out, watch over us as we have service. But I'll tell you, the worst police officer in the world would be one that you trained, one that you armed, and, and one that you, uh, uh, you, know, you did everything you could do to make them the best officer they could be, and they just, they just wouldn't engage. So why, why don't you stop that bank robber? Well, I just want to. Amen? Why don't you pull that guy over? He's going 150 miles an hour in that school zone. Why don't you pull him over? I don't think I could catch him. If you've ever noticed, some of the best police officers are the ones that are aggressive. And you know why they're aggressive? They're trying to protect you. But you have to understand, if you don't get that true aggression in you when it comes to spiritual things, the enemy is going to overwhelm you and we are living in a day and an hour in which he is overwhelming people everywhere. But you have to just make the decision, I'm not going to let him overwhelm me. I'm going to walk in my authority in Christ. If he puts a thought in me, in my mind, for every second of the clock that ticks, I will resist that thought every time he brings it against my mind. I'm not going to think sin. I'm not going to think sickness. I'm not going to think poverty. I'm not going to think I have the legal right. Everything about who I was is gone. I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Now I have become a spiritual law enforcement officer and I'm going to begin to clean up this town right here. I'm going to clean up my home before I clean something else up around me. But I'm going to clean up this right here in between these two ears. I'm going to clean up all this other stuff. And I'm going to exercise the law of the spirit of life in Christ against all these laws of sin and death. And I'm going to walk free from all this drama and trauma that's going on in the world right now. If you don't, it'll overwhelm you. You've got to make a decision to do it. We want to help people. We want to pray for people. We want to minister to people. But in reality, the greatest victories of your life are not going to be when you're ministered to by some preacher. They're going to be when you stand on your own two feet. Let me close with this story. My mom, for many years, since this was past weekend, was mother, I'll tell you a mom's story. 
Mom had problems with her ears. She would get these ear infections. They were terrible. And she had the who's who of preachers pray for her ears. I mean, all of them prayed for her ears, you know. So one day we were over at their house. They still lived over here in Galveston. She was laying on the couch. I was sitting in the chair, I think waiting on Leah to get off work. I was sitting in the chair and she's laying on the couch. She says, oh, Rusty. Oh. She said, would you please come and lay hands on my ears? I'm in so much pain. I said, nope. I ain't going to do it. Now, you had to know my mom. She said, I prayed for you for years. I'm the one that birthed you. I mean, she went off on me and ended her tirade with, pray for me. I said, nope, not going to do it. I said, I've watched every preacher since I've been back to the Lord lay hands on your ears and pray for you and you still got bad ears. And I don't want to be in line with them. <laughs> this, was on a, this was on a Saturday. I went off and preached somewhere. I came back. I was in our church on Sunday. Uh, excuse me, on Wednesday night. And she got up and testified on Wednesday night. She started telling that story. Everybody started looking at me and booing. Remember that? They started going, boo, boo. I said, listen to, the, listen to the end of the story. She said, when he said that to me, I got so mad. She said, I got so mad. She said, I walked into my bathroom. She said, my ears, with every beat of my heart, my ears were throbbing. And she said, all of a sudden, I had this thought come up from down here. said, well, why don't you do something about it? So she said, I laid my hands on my ears and said, in the name of Jesus, get out of my ears. Get out of my ears in Jesus' name. And you know what she said? It worked. <laughs> It just may be, it just may be that when you exercise your own faith and you stand up on your own two spiritual feet and you make a decision to resist the devil, that God is going to reinforce everything you say and all the authority of heaven itself will back you up as long as you're willing to engage and get a little radical and make a decision. I ain't living like this anymore. I'm going to walk in the victory that God's given me in Christ. I guarantee you, if you do that, God will back you up. Amen? Amen. You learned something? Give the Lord a shout. Oh, give him a better shout than that. Now, always remember when we say shout, that's victory. I said, that's victory. So maybe you ought to try it one more time. Give the Lord a shout. There you go. Glory to God. Stand on your feet. Glory to God. Father, thank you so much for your Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.